March 30th, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzandaf, Yod Gimal Amud Bet, and let's go back to 15 lines from the bottom, two words before the end of the line. So if you count upward, 15 lines, two words before the end of the line, just to quickly review some of what we learned at the end of class yesterday. Um, just very briefly with the Gemara, if you recall, at this point is uh, posing as a, uh, as a question, as, as what's a seemingly stunning question. It went as follows. When it comes to Ma'aser, we have a Mishnah Masechet Ma'asrot, which describes the Gemar Melacha. And that second word is uh, really important. Melacha means uh, something with regards to constructive production. And in the context of se'orin, context of uh, bringing forth the final stage of my production from the field and into my storehouse or from the field and into my mouth of barley, the Mishnah in Masech Ma'asrot says that what is appropriate, what won't be considered a gemar melacha of sorts, is if a person is kolef, if they peel off the parts of the uh, barley uh, stalks that are not necessary, not going to be eaten, and they put the rest of it, the kernel which is edible, into their mouth. That would be permitted. We wouldn't envision that as a production final stage. That's in contrast to the Mishnah told us, if a person were to do so and then to kind of store it. If a person alternatively is mekalef and they're natan letoch yado, so they appeal and then they store it in their hand, even though they're just ultimately speaking going to be walking away because they did a small scale production, but it's still a production. That would be considered gemar melacha in order to say you're hayav b'ma'aser, in order to say you need to tithe it, you need to take a tenth of it and give that of course, to the Levi. That's what the Mishnah said. And the Gemara, ultimately speaking, said that's not applicable by Shabbat. We have a leniency by Shabbat. How did the Gemara, so to speak, prove that? It quoted how two of the wives of the Emoraim used to, on Shabbat, ostensibly right before the meal, they would peel the barley and they would place the uh, kernels, which they were going to eat from, in glasses, in cups, bekaseh. Uh, that being the case, clearly on Shabbat, when of course melacha is what asurah, and you're ostensibly kind of talking about the isura of disha, of crushing by peeling off the external chaff uh, with regards to uh, the barley, but then why is it permitted? How could you say that on Shabbat it's not considered melacha to peel, place, and store even for a short period of time? Whereas when we talk about it in the business world, in the ma'aser, sedakah world, it is considered a gemar melacha. So that's why I pick up together with you in these uh, second to last word, 15 lines from the bottom, umi ika mideh. Is there, are there things in the inyan Shabbat, that in the context of Shabbat, lahave gemar melacha, we won't consider it a final stage of production. In other words, it'll be permitted. It won't be asur as melacha on Shabbat. But in contrast, by ma'aser, by my production out in the field and preparing it for myself and now giving a tenth of it, have gemar melacha? The gemara asked that as a rhetorical question. They can't be. Why would you distinguish? Now, it's true in halacha, we do from time to time distinguish. But you need to give me a reason to distinguish. I mean, it's examples that we've talked about in passing and in... And, and, and at great length, uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, when I talk about something called Zeri'ah, Melechet Zorea on Shabbat, should I, is it appropriate to compare it to Shemitah? The Torah says explicitly, you're not allowed to be Zorea on Shemitah. Doesn't it stand to reason that if one of my Melechot on Shabbat is Zorea, is seeding, I can, could and should be comparing it to the Zeri'ah which I have on Shemitah, and so forth, but many other examples. 
Well, when I'm talking about melacha, if I'm considering it explicitly in the Mishnah, melacha le'inyan ma'asir, how could it be that it's not a melacha for Shabbat? Says the Gemara, matkif la rav sheshat bereh derav idi, your rhetorical question will be responded with another exclamatory question. In other words, velo, you don't find such a thing? Yes, there are distinctions between what we would consider gemar melacha, final stage of production, construction, and uh, productive activity uh, when it comes to ma'aser, but I wouldn't do so by Shabbat. Veha garnan le ma'aser. There is a concept in the context of ma'asev, when you're obligated to give a tenth of your produce, uh, which is called garnan. Gorin is a reference to a pile. When you pile up your crops, your produce at specific points, uh, it's considered a gemar melacha. And as a result, you're hayav b'ma'asev, you're obligated to give a tenth of it once you piled it up. On Shabbat, I'll speak it out loud before we read in the gemara together with you. If you're in your home and you've collected your produce, are you not allowed to put it into piles? If you finished, for argument's sake, Shabbat meal, and you're piling up uh, some of the leftover scraps of bread in that corner, and uh, your child uh, uh, put out some of their food in that corner, and you're piling it up, and that's that Asur? Uh, certainly not Asur on Shabbat. Well, why not? If it's considered Gemar Melacha in the context of Ma'asir, well then by Shabbat it should be. I said yesterday, that's not to negate the fact that if you were out in the field and collecting the apples and putting them in a pile, that it's Asur on Shabbat. But in your home, it's not. Well, clearly we're dividing, we're distinguishing between melacha and Shabbat and melacha by ma'asir. Of course, we'll have to define why that's different, but at the very, le- very least, we've given an analog. We've given another case where, you see, we call it melacha for ma'asir, we don't consider it melacha for Shabbat. Uh, after, go ahead. <coughs> If it was considered Gemar Melacha on Shabbat, again, we're saying this is not Gemar Melacha on Shabbat. You're eating it Arai. If you were doing it, when they were peeling and, and putting, it has to be they were eating it Arai. Yeah. Uh, says, says Ditnan, after all, the Mishnah says, Ezu Gornan le Ma'asir. Where do you find that by piling it in Ma'asir, it will be uh, considered in the context of giving a tenth? From dealing with gourds and cucumbers, the truth is we consider it when it on its own, out of your hands, has gemar melacha. When the flower uh, on, on the edge of it falls off, that's considered gemar maaseh. However, if the flower didn't fall off, they're still moist enough that it has mishiyamid arema. It's when you pile them up, piling them up, you designated, we're done with the production. Utnanamen, similarly, we have by besalim, by onions, mishiyamid arema. When you pile them up, you're hayab b'ma'asir. Ve'ilu gabay Shabbat, ha'amadat arema patur. But when it comes to Shabbat, there's no prohibition, there's no liability if you were to make a pile. Clearly, just as over there, piling is a gemar melachai b'ma'asir, but not by Shabbat, so too by peeling these stalks of barley, it can be considered a gemar ma'aseh, gemar melacha by ma'aseh, but not by Shabbat. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why do you distinguish? Rather, what should you say? The principle by Shabbat, as the Torah teaches us several times, in the context of the Mishkan, which we of course equate because of the beginning of Parashat Vayakel to Shabbat, 
מלאכת מחשבת עשרה תורה, החנמה מלאכת מחשבת עשרה תורה. The words of Rashi for defining in this context, מלאכת מחשבת, go further than my words yesterday, just constructive, says Rashi, אומנות. אומנות means it's craftsmanship. In other words, whereas by מעשר, it has to be a final stage of production. Simple, piling, peeling, halas. When it comes to Shabbat, it's something more. When it comes to Shabbat, it's constructive and it's craftsmanship. It's something which is a more professional act. And as a result, therefore, the Gemara says sometimes, not always, sometimes you find distinctions between what we consider melacha in one area, like ma'aser, whereas by Shabbat, ironically, even though we generally speak and we'll say Shabbat is the most hamur, in order for it to be considered prohibited according to the Torah, in order for it to be considered a melacha min ha-Torah, it has to be finer in terms of its act, and it's going to be patur, it's going to be mutar, if you're doing it in a non-umanu fashion. So piling up is not considered anything special. What does it take to pile? You can have your child pile, heck, you could have a, you know, an animal pile. Therefore, it's not considered malachim, machashim. That's right. Cups or beds or something like that, becoming more... Right. So, uh, in other words, uh, what Jeffrey's pointing at is, is generally speaking, uh, if I were to place it in a utensil afterwards, I'm showing, I'm making clear that I'm storing this for a later period. It has to be, although the Gemara doesn't say it explicitly, that these women were, although they're putting it into these cups, it's to be eaten the meal right afterwards. You don't have a hit there afterwards. In other words, even when it comes to uh, you, your wife, whoever cuts the uh, salad in your home, I have to be careful with this. You know, there might be women. Uh, my husband cuts our people here. I don't, anyway, I just, I just don't know how to do anything. That's right. Good. All right. So when it, oh, so that, so then the example's gone. But anyway, if there's an Israeli salad which is being made for the meal, in other words, finely cut of uh, cucumbers or tomatoes or whatever, you couldn't do that uh, two hours before the meal. You can do it. Uh, half an hour. You could do it a short period before. It's melechet tohen otherwise. It has to be that sort of Now you could do it and put it straight into the bowl for your salad. You don't need to leave it on the it side and then mix it. What I'm saying is it's the, it's the salad bowl. It's got to be It's got to be like that. It can't be as you said. Otherwise then it would be melacha. Uh, then it would be asur. Okay, the gemara. Okay. On Shabbat. Correct. All right, the Gemara in its final lines over here just uh, returns us back to the general principle, general actions we've been talking about. We talked about molel mililot on Yom Tov. We talked about being menapeach on Shabbat. Uh, so let's start with molel mililot. Again, that was something to do with rubbing. Remember, you took the uh, grain in your hand and you rubbed it in order to separate it on Yom Tov in order to then quickly eat from it. Says the Gemara, even, and Rashi's interpretation to this, even on Yom Tov, where we're permitting for melechet nefesh, for the purposes of eating on the day, milila, rubbing it in your fingers, even then there has to be some shinui. Even then, you can't be doing it in the identical fashion and way you would have done it during the week. It's Yom Tov after all. So the rabbis, yes, are going to tell you it's permitted to do so, it's for food production, but even then the understanding, for one reason or another, is there has to be a different way. Your derech on Yom Tov needs to be different than Yom Tov. How so? Says the Gemara, kesad molel. How is it that you would rub it? Abaye Mishemed Rav Yosef Amar, hada ahada. 
This is the way you'd have to rub it is one finger onto the next. Take your thumb, take your uh, pointer finger, and you put it in between those two. That's already different, it's a little bit more difficult. It'll take longer. It's already taking a while. Uh, if your thumb onto the pointer and middle finger, and you'll do it one on two fingers. Rava Amar, Rava says alternatively, once you're doing fingers onto fingers already, once you're not doing the whole hand, which is much easier, much more the regular fashion, you could even use all of your fingers in order to do the rubbing. In other words, the point is there needs to be a shinui, it needs to be something different. How different? First opinion says one finger onto one finger, very different. One finger onto two fingers, second opinion. A little different. Even if it's one finger onto all the fingers, even if you're using, as long as you're not using the palm of your hand, as long as you're not crushing it in the absolute and normal fashion with your whole hand, that would be permitted. Or you can use your left hand. If you're right, you use your left hand. That's not normal. That would apply to like No, over there, over there, as Hacham, we, we addressed it in that context, and Hacham Vadeh Yosef, based on many poskim, says it's, it's entirely permitted in that situation, because the understanding over there is that the only reason the shell is on it is not that, so to speak, that's the final stage of production. It's that you left it on in order to protect the seeds. Because you and I don't think about production, maybe you do, I don't, in production in the real, you know, commercial, historical sense. We think that's the, fi- that's the final stage before you're eating it. It's not the final stage of production. Final stage of production means I separated it and I made it ra'u ila We envision this as ra'u ila already. So then why are there shells on it? To keep it clean, to give someone something to do at a sebe. You know what I'm saying? It's not that it's kind of, we look at it and say, ah, it's not finished yet. That's the suggestion. It's not professional labor. It's not, you just eat yourself. What's going on? Well, the, the point is, the point is that the, it's a good question, but by extension then, uh, everything should be permitted if I'm doing it personally and I'm not doing it professionally. It, ultimately speaking, it's the action which is a professional action, even if you're doing it for yourself. Right, in other words, and, and the fact, going into Borer for a moment, the fact that it isn't a professional activity to separate with your hands, it's not this, it's separation, not crushing, um, means that if you do it with your hands, you've already moved out of that. If you're doing it with the utensils, you say, but I'm doing it for myself, but I'm doing it in the professional way, that's us from the Torah, not even rabbinically. All right, says the Gemara, Ketzad Menapeach. We said that if it was already Nimlal, if you already rubbed it, if you already separated it by crushing before Shabbat, but you still have some of the chaff and kernels mixed up. You put it in your hand and you use the air by lifting your hand up and down, moving it around in order to separate it on Shabbat. The Gemara's understanding again is there's some, after all the words were miyad liyad, something that's not the regular fashion. Even though we're permitting this, it needs to be done a little bit differently to distinguish, to make clear it's Shabbat amarav minapeach mikishre says it has to be from your knuckles and upward. Uh, so you put the uh, produce and the knuckles and upward, and that's how you move it around. Very difficult, if you ask me. Uh, certainly, if you don't have very long fingers, uh, that's not so simple. You're using your top, you're putting the produce, you're putting the, the chaff and kernels at the top of your fingers. Forget about the rest of the hand, and that's how your menapech. It's going to take a while, it's going to be very difficult. Says the Gemara, In Israel, they laughed at this. 
uh, mention of Rav Ahabar Ahava in the name of Rav. That's silly. That's the way you're doing Nipuach. You should know. Once you're already in this whole Nipuach business using just one hand, you're not transferring from hand the normal way. To You want to sift something, you don't want to throw one hand to the next hand. The fact that you're using one hand, so use your whole hand. It doesn't need to be so different that it's from the top of your knuckles. What a humrah, Rav. And unnecessary. We laugh at you. And in truth, the Gemara concludes with the halakhal unless you can do nipuah with one hand, but the entire hand with all of your energy. The fact that it's already just being done with one hand is sufficient to designate it and make it clear this is not the regular normal fashion. All right, the next Mishnah brings us into another melechet ochil nefesh activity on Yom Tov. It's uh, one of the last, we have two more before the end of the Perek, but uh, we're still dealing with mahlokot, a mahlokot, a dispute between Bet Shammai and Bet Hilel in the context of preparing portions or parts of the food that you're going to be partaking in on the holiday. You're doing it, of course, on the holiday. The Torah and Shemot Perek Yod Bet says, If it's food stuff for Yom Tov, that, in contrast to other melachot, is permitted to be done. This particular Mishnah will be dealing with the melacha called tohen, which is not crushing per se, but it's gro- but it's uh, but it's um, uh, fine. Uh, it's making fine, small pieces. The specifics in our context will be talking about salt and spices, which you want to grind the way once upon a time. Maybe until today, in certain atmospheres, um, you would grind as you'd have what's called a madocha. Madocha was the bottom part of the utensil, and a madoch, which was the uh, crushing or the uh, grinding part of the uh, utensil. You would take the um, the madoch and, pl- and p- place whatever you wanted to be ground inside of the madocha. That, that's that's the right word over here, but that, 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 that's um, what's that? Does it? That's, that was why I avoided. That was why I avoided it. Just as two days ago, I avoided. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, in terms of that, I don't think you really to- use a pestle and mortar. That, those are the words. Uh, and mortar. I, I don't think we're using pestle and mortars today. I don't think most people know what it is. Although you'll see pictures of it and maybe hear those words, I don't really use it. Actually, use it for garlic. And bartenders might use it. So we're going to, over the course of this, and it won't take much time, we will address pepper grinders and salt grinders. This is the sugya for those matters. Now the assumption in our Mishnah, this is the last important segment of introduction, the assumption in our Mishnah, and in turn most of our Gemara, is the fact that, and this will of course be a debate, the fact that this activity could have been done before Yom Tov and wasn't done and is instead being done on Yom Tov means that we will not, rabbinically speaking, permit for you to do this in the regular, normal fashion. There'll have to be a shinui of sorts because we say you should have done this beforehand. You didn't do this beforehand. As it's a little bit more difficult. 
it's clear that there's a distinction. It's a gezeram rabbanan to make certain that you don't save everything to be done on Yom Tov. That's Rashi's reading of the sugya. Ran, alternatively, much as other hachmeh sefarad and ritva, their understanding is the fact that you're doing this on Yom Tov makes it appear for one reason or another as if you're storing this away. And the fact that you're grinding just in general, melechet tohen, the melachah of grinding is a melachah which is done in, generally speaking, not in a personal fashion, but in a larger scale storage fashion. As a result, there has to be a difference between the way you would do it on weekdays. It's a distinction already. What you crush before Yom Tov? Understood. It doesn't matter. According to Ran, the fear is the fact that you're doing it like this, both to onlookers and to yourself, it looks wrong. It's the wrong action. And as a result, we make a shidduch. What's that? Even in your home. Because it's even for yourself. I'm not up to it yet. I'm not up to it yet. Says the Mishnah, Mahlok Bet Shamayim Bet Bet Omrim. Now, generally speaking, both the Madoch and the Madocha, the pestle and the mortar, mortar, would be made of stone, of rock. That makes a lot of sense. That's tough, that's hard, that'll grind everything pro- well and properly. Bet Shamay Omrim, Tavlin. Let's start with spices, says Bet Shamay. Spices, for one reason or another, there'll be two reasons suggested in our Gemara, are going to be more lenient than salt. When it comes to uh, spices, uh, the way to make a shinui, to do it differently, is to use the, um, the utensil which is going to be pushing it down for grinding. The madoch should be made out of wood instead of uh, stone. That's not to say that the bottom part can't be made of stone, but the uh, crushing part, excuse me, the grinding part should be made out of wood. The hamela, when it comes to salt, it becomes even more uh, complicated, say Bet Shammai. You need to make a greater shinui, something which distinguishes it in a stronger fashion. How so? You need to use an altogether different utensil. You need to use an altogether different utensil with regards to how the crushing. So don't use a regular uh, bottom piece and other piece. You have to use, for example, a spoon, which would generally be used for something else. That's what you're using in this context. You have to use the bottom part, which is a different utensil. It's not about just turning it into wood as opposed to stone. Using altogether different utensil. You understand that when it comes to melach, when it comes to salt, for some reason, our Mishnah, Bet Shammai, leads the charge on this, says it's more hamur. It's not that it can't be done, but you need a greater shinui. First and foremost, with regards to spices, we disagree with you, Bet Shammai. You said a lighter, smaller change is appropriate. We think no change is necessary. When it comes to spices, stone, stone, utensils, one onto the other can be used. When it comes, you can do it entirely with the grinding device which is made out of a rock. However, when it comes to salt, we don't think you need to change the utensil and use something funny and different. We just think that there we go back to the way you described how to grind spices. Bump it down a bit of a level and say, at the very least, use the grinding device, which is doing the actual gr- grinding, made out of wood. 
That's what we have. Again, the Mishnah does not describe, does not define for us why there's a difference between salt and spices. The Mishnah certainly has not defined for us anything about Shabbat. We're only talking about Yom Tov. The Mishnah has just set forth for us a mahlok, a dispute between Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel. When you do come to, on Yom Tov, grind for the purpose of food, grinding either salt or spices, each of them in their own specific way tell us when it comes to spices, there's more leniency, absolute leniency according to Beit Hilel. When it comes to salt, a little bit more stringency. The common denominator being there should be a shinui for one of two reasons, again, either because um, you should have done this beforehand, or alternatively, the fact that it's being done on Yom Tob and a grinding action, generally speaking, is something that you preserve and save for a longer time period. It should therefore be done b'shinui. Says the Gemara, Dekulei Alma, let's uh, regroup and realize what we saw in the Mishnah. Dekulei Alma literally means the whole world. For our purposes, it means both Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel. They agree, Mihat, at the very least, Melach, when it comes to salt, Ba'aya Shinui. It needs, Ba'ayam means, means it needs, Sarich, Shinui needs to be changed. Even Betilel, who by spices permitted Kiddarka, the regular fashion, when it came to salt, they said you should do it with a wooden device. Maita'ama, what's the reason? Why is salt more hamur, more severe than Tavlin, than spices? Says the Gemara, Rav Hunav, Rav Hasta. There's a dispute, two opinions amongst the Moraim, Rav Hunav, Rav Hasta. Had, one of the two said, What's that? Give it a second. Hadamar kola kederot kulan serichot melach ve'en kola kederot serichot tavlin. The first explanation it goes like this. It says that when it comes to uh, meal planning, our assumption is that the woman, the man, the chef is not per se meal planning, and we're not holding that against them. Not everybody meal plans before the holiday. You have the general stuff that you need. You have enough of your ingredients in your kitchen. But you don't, what you do know is whatever I'm making tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, I need salt. Everybody agrees to that. Everybody knows that your food needs salt. It depends on what dish you're making and in turn what spice you'll need. So we hold it more against you that you didn't do it beforehand. We look at this situation and we treat it more severely according to Ran. Because, um, because it's an item which is absolutely necessary and you knew you should have had it beforehand. What's that? Salt should be at the ready irrespective of what you're doing and there's no reason not to prepare it beforehand. You didn't prepare it beforehand. Even Beit Hilel says Shinui. Beit Shammai says greater Shinui. Tavlin, Hazit, I didn't realize I needed it. I thought I was going to make something else. I changed my mind. I wasn't certain. That's why there's more of a leniency when it comes to Tavlin. Yeah, Had, okay. It should be the opposite because salt is something that you, don't, you need until you need. You always need. You always, you always, need, you always need. need. You always need, though. You always need, but in other words, you're not going to grind it in advance. They want you to grind it in advance. Grind it in advance. Wow. The, okay. second, the second opinion, as a matter of fact, strengthens that point. Hadamar. <coughs> Fresh uh, spices is a thing. It loses its flavor if it's left out even for a night. Salt will be naturally preserved. And as a result... That's right. That, that's, 
That's what I was saying to Alan. In other words, the next answer will will so much address you that it'll knock you out. When it comes to when it comes to right. That's so. That's the second thing. Now the Gemara says fantastic. Two different explanations to why to distinguish between salt and spices is there a practical difference. I mean, we're assuming they're not complementing one another. They're not saying, oh, I like your reason. Let me add another one. They're saying this is the reason. Again, one of them saying salt should be known in advance. You'll need it. Absolutely. The top. Let me make that clear. Thank you. Thank you, Eli. So the top. The top. Okay. All right. The top left-hand corner tosafot. At the bottom of it, Tosafot points out that the salt, again, that's why I said we will need to return to what today's day and age stuff is. I told you it'll come from here, but you're right, that's the beginning of it. Says Tosafot, what we're really talking about is sea salt, a natural sea salt. We're talking about salt which is actually clumped up naturally at this point. It's not that it was already produced and is produced by human beings and kind of became attached one to the other. Over there, that would already be nithan, it was already ground, and in tohen. We're not going to be imagining an isur in this context if it was already ground and then artificially or manually placed together. Specifically over here, we're talking about where it is, so to speak, naturally a clump already, and you're for the first time in that respect grinding it. So the So Tosafot says when we deal with it already having been ground and you're now grinding it again, it's not what we're referring to over here. Does it mean it's fully permitted? We'll have to address. But Tosafot makes clear because of a general principle, in tohena har tohen, similar to Shabbat, in bishula har bishul, uh, there's room for leniency. Keep in mind we're on Yom Tov right now. We're not on Shabbat, but we'll have to. That's right. That's right. So again, so there's these two reasons, either because you should have known in advance, penalty, so to speak, prepare your salt, everybody knows you need salt in advance, or alternatively, salt can and will be preserved just as well tomorrow as tonight, as today, uh, whereas spices will not. Says the Gemara, my benayu, we have two practical differences between these two opinions, ma benehem, what's the difference between the two? Number one, ika benayu, Yesh benehem, the practical difference is, diada ma'ikedera ba'ile bashule. First one is, you actually did meal plan. You knew you needed uh, pepper and a little bit of uh, uh, another spice and uh, thyme and rosemary. You knew you needed all those spices beforehand. And you still didn't prepare. Even for spices, then, we're going to have a humrah. Even according to Bet Hillel and according to Bet Shammah, the greater one, in such a circumstance, you won't have the leniency, which we suggest in our Mishnah, that will make it lighter with regards to you knew in advance. According to the other opinion, that it's about freshness, so then even if you had your meal plan, right, we will permit it. Obviously, it's permitted no matter what, but with the lighter shinui. But that's a practical difference. The difference is the meal plan. According to, according to, says the Gemara, one practical difference between these two opinions is if you did meal plan. According to the first explanation, you lost any leniency when it comes to spices. According to the second explanation, who cares if you meal planned? Ultimately, I meal planned and I need fresh spices, then it would still have the permissibility. The two explanations in the Gemara of why salt is more stringent than spices, right? Iname, alternatively, says the Gemara, be morika. Morika, Rashi explains as karkom. Karkom is saffron. And uh, the way Rashi explains it is that saffron is self preserved, it's a spice. 
but it isn't greater in the initial moments in the hours as opposed to when it was stored away. In other words, it's identical in that respect to salt. And so therefore, ironically, the second explanation of when it comes to spices, you need, it to be, you need it to be fresh, you wouldn't have that when it comes to this type of spice. And as a result, when it comes to this type of spice, we would be more mahmir. We would say it's just like salt that you need to do it with the full shinui. If you didn't do it before, you should have done it beforehand. Alternative. You're going to have to, it's not picking and choosing per se, you're going to, yes, go case by case. You're going to go case by case. You're going to speak to the experts and, and, and address what type of spices will lose their, um, their potency. Um, no, but just because you're meal planning doesn't mean you're, you're, you don't have it. Exactly. The spice is going to go into your food. If that's the case. If that's... I've been told on my hands. How much you put in this morning? I don't know how much. I can't plan how much salt doesn't put in my eggs. Then, then this doesn't apply. And Jeffrey, I imagine the answer is then. Imagine. I don't know that this is addressed. I imagine the answer is then you were. We we would expect you to do the requisite baseline amount. When you're in the situation now and you need more, so yes, we would permit you without the extra shinui in order to do the more. But why don't you do the initial amount? You knew that you needed that in, in advance. All right, we'll continue with this tomorrow.